So, um, I must say, this is a big gap for me. I've often read about him, uh, and he's spoken of as, you know, arguably the greatest director of the 90s, and, you know, kind of people uh, speak to him almost, uh, speak about him and on him almost as a deity of cinema. Uh, but for some reason, it hasn't come my way. Uh, I think the first film of his that I saw and that I think we covered with uh, Mike for eavesdropping at the movies was The Assassin. Yeah, I've certainly yeah. seen that one. Yeah. Um, but I think that's all I've seen. A few of the titles uh, seem familiar. Uh, um, uh, I'm thinking of, I think, is it something like A Time to Live and A Time to Die? But that's the Cirque film. <laughs> so, no, it is, no, it is. That, that is one of his films, too. Ah, oh, right. They share okay. a title. Um, but yeah, I, okay, that's right. the, to me, the, the titles are familiar. I, I'm sure I've seen some, something like Summer at Grandpa's. I think I may have seen you, but, but a long time ago. They seem to have had a fairly, I was just reading up before this, and the, you know, the, 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 the re release history of him outside uh, Taiwan hasn't been, um, has, has been a little bit patchy. Um, yes. So they weren't always that easy to see. I think that's getting easier. Similar to um, Edward Yang, who was also Taiwanese, I also really love. And again, his films are were relatively hard to come by. So. Yes, though, 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 Edward Yang, I do know, uh, and I've seen quite a lot of his work. Whereas this, I think, um, the Assassin, I've definitely seen. I don't know if A Time to Live and A Time to Die or A City of Sadness, or actually films that I saw a long time ago or that I wanted to see. I certainly would have liked to have seen something titled A City of Sadness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but I, it's, it, it's one of those things that kind of, you know, I, I, I'm just not sure. Mm. Really, exactly, yeah. So now the great thing is we'll watch films and we'll record a podcast about it. So even if nobody else listens to it, it will remind us that we've actually seen the films. <laughs> that we have. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, you know, I've been finding that one of the one of the great things about doing podcasts because you not only have a record of whether you've seen it or not, you know, but at least the way that I like to do podcasts, which is really, you know, to have an instant and almost visceral response. Yeah, like, you know, I'm not the type to do a lot of research on it before the podcast because, you know, my whole thing is when watching films for the first time, I just want to feel them and understand them in my, on my own way. Then afterwards, I like to read up on them. Yeah, because so because for me, the, I mean, the, this film, uh, which which we'll, we we will come to, is you know, the, the key, the interesting question is: is this film interesting? Is it any good? Not did he make? Yeah, because it's his first film, and he's clearly made some amazing stuff in the, in, in the intervening years. You know, but but does this work as a film? And that's the interesting question. We should say it's it's so it's actually readily available so uh, it's currently available on Mubi along with three other early Ho Xiao Shan films which we're going to talk about two you know, later editions um, but it's all those the first three of those films um, which are this one The Green Green, green, green Grass of Home and um, Boys from uh, Boys from something or other I forget the name um, I can tell you so I think The Green Green Grass of Home the boys from Feng Kui. Yeah, um, and, Daughter and Daughter of the Nile is the fourth Daughter one. Of the Nile so the so the the, one. the first three of those are certainly available on Blu-ray in a, a Eureka box set, and they were restored by the Belgian Cinematheque a few years ago. So right. re readily available, you can go out and buy these films. Yeah. 
uh, and the and so they're all on movie yeah um and actually it's it took me completely by surprise this film well because yeah. i'll just read you what wikipedia tells us about his cinema um yes, and tell me how to what extent this film <laughs> fits with this internationally ho is known for his austere and aesthetically rigorous dramas dealing with the upheavals of taiwanese history i mean i i i rather loved it though i also thought it was well i was trying to think is it really inconsequential i mean you know can a film that gives so much pleasure be talked about as inconsequential and the thing is that um you know, it's a boy meet girl story, yeah, starring a uh, 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 a Hong Kong pop star and a Taiwanese pop star. You could see the commercial elements uh, behind it. It has lovely pop music that I couldn't get out of my head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it's kind of played very broadly, uh, you know, for comedy, and it's both broad and sweet. And it has elements that are a bit cringy also, just because, you know, the uh, patriarchal relations governing marriage of the period seem so retrograde and feudalistic, right? Uh, so that made me cringe a bit. Um, but uh, but I found it hugely enjoyable. I mean, Absolutely. I, I just thought it was huge, huge fun. And, and um, you know, I, I, knew, I knew nothing about this film going into it. Um, didn't know what to expect, but what I expected certainly wasn't this kind of basically very, essentially it's like a goofy romantic comedy. It's the kind of film that you could see um, being made with, you know, like Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello or Cliff Richard and Una Stubbs, you know, it's yes. that kind of thing. Um, but maybe not as well. Actually. No, no. I mean, that because that, that's, that's the other <laughs> thing. It's a really well-made film and yes. you can see... Um, you know, you you can see the the he the way it's filmed, the way it's framed, the way characters are moving around within frame is very interesting, and it's, it's kind of you know it's clearly somebody who's been given the opportunity to direct a film in this very commercial manner, and is sort of you know maybe learning as he goes along, but it, it's you know it, it's very it's very interesting. It's stylistically very interesting, I think. It's very interesting. It feels. Also, uh, so I was going to say uh, bourgeois, <laughs> which I've been using as a term I've been using more than once recently, you know. Uh, but I, but I actually I don't mean it that way. It feels to me like, you know, one of those Hollywood aspirational, glossy films, yeah, in which everybody can read the romantic fantasies through an upper class milieu. But that isn't the, the, the narrative isn't really aimed at people of that background. It's aimed at working people, but it's set in a in a kind of aspirational, imaginary, fictional upper class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's driving around in a Triumph TR7, um, which was a. I mean, I, I can remember because this, this was made in early eighties. I can remember when I was like thirteen. That felt like a really, really cool car, uh, which is. You know, it, it, at that time, he's running on a moped. It's just, you know, it's it, it's just fun, basically. Yeah. You can see what a queen I am because I wouldn't, I, you know, I would just have said that bright yellow car. Well, do, you, do you know how you can? Do you know how name? you can tell it's a TR7? It's got like it's got TR7 written on the side. 
Oh, you, you've given away the hugely unexpected twist ending, though, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, came as a complete shock. <laughs> I mean, you know, but let's talk about that because, you know, I think one of the critical terms that are often deployed against the film is to say, oh, it's so predictable. But I was thinking watching this that there's a way in which predictability is also a pleasure, that, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's some, you know, even some of the individual gags are, are, are really predictable. I mean, there's that great sight gag where she first arrives in the country and she's running along the street shouting, Auntie, Auntie, and this man starts running towards her and, and you kind of know, like, okay, really obviously she's going to veer off and her auntie's standing around the corner, and which is obviously what happens. And um, but it's a great, it's a great gag, and yes. and yeah, you'd be, it's it's like, you know, it's it's like watching a, you know, carry on film or something, and you you just know you know exactly what's going to happen, um, yes. and it it is you know because it's aimed at an audience is going to go oh, oh yes I, yeah I knew that was going to happen and it happened, um, <laughs> but it is interesting that that it's kind of is it aspirational because it's sort of saying you know this, this sort of the story appears to be you know the poor boy and the rich girl fall in love. And then it turns out it's all okay because he's rich as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so. but I think I think there's more than that. I think the film is made for an audience, an audience is luxuriating in things that might not be quite correct. I this is you know uh, uh, probably not how the upper classes uh, hold an auction. I would actually have imagined it to be much more glamorous than that. Yes. But nonetheless, how how a working an audience of working class people might imagine, you know, the upper classes to live, right? So, which I think is an interesting difference. Yeah, a little bit like thinking of the same era, things like you know Dallas and Dynasty, where it's kind of just this this aspirational image of rich people, but n exactly. not at all realistic. Yeah, or or even like a Claudette Colbert film. Mm. Yeah, like uh, you know, because I was, I had like. The 1930s more in mind right um where you know if you now document uh you know how somebody like barbara hutton lived you know as opposed to how the movies depicted rich people living well you know americans american movies depicted rich people living a little bit more modestly than the real yeah. billionaires <laughs> in fact did right so the, there's an there's an element of that here right you know, 
Um, so there's a scene where they have the auction, you know, and the young boy comes in and immediately heads to the buffet table and you're shown the buffet. Table. Yeah, like, you know, to eat those things is something that is assumed to be something pleasurable for the audience. Right. So I kind of I liked all of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It's like a bit, you know, obvious and predictable, but also very pleasurable, really. Um, and I love the the um, stars, yeah. Uh, particularly him. Is it Kenny B? Kenny B. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's who's in? Uh, so so he, the the two of them were were also both in 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 the his second film, which is not part of this collection. And then Kenny B is also in the third film, which we'll we'll be we'll be watching. So, but yeah, they're okay. they're both really engaging, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try and get a hold of that second film and see if I can see it. It would be nice to do these in order as well, so we can grow along with the complexity. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, she's she's great for Fong Fei Fei, um, and she because she was no, um, her 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 nickname was the Queen of Hats because she her her, her, her trademark was she had lots of hats. And apparently, she had 600 hats, and oh my God. she said it, she said in an interview. I have so many hats. I need to have a computer database. <laughs> <laughs> right and, up your alley. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And, and in this, you know, she she certainly has lots of hats. And one of the, I think I told, said this to you when I first watched it. That one of the things I love is she goes to stay with her aunt in the country, and she's got this tiny suitcase, um, like an overnight bag. But this suitcase presumably contains about fifty-three hats because she wears <laughs> <laughs> pretty much every shot. She's got a different hat. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um... I, th I thought that, you know, he was so charming uh, and they were lovely together. Um, the whole interaction with the families was played so broadly, right, that you just had to go with it because, you know, it's easy to criticize. But if you just let yourself go with it, it's quite fun, right? Um, but, uh, um, you know, they keep it together. You know, they're a real charismatic kind of uh, duo so that all of the kind of predictable situations are I, I think that's right I was, I was before we spoke i was i was just seeing what, what other writing i could find about the film and so you know some some criticism about the you know there, there isn't much chemistry between the two of them but I, th I thought there was you know it was not well it was just quite cute and innocently romantic i thought i i thought i thought the chemistry aspect um i think there's some truth in that right you could see because I thought they were both very charismatic, he particularly so, right? I mean, he's got a brilliant smile. Yeah, um, he's like, you know, he feels like he's a real star, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think they played very, very well together, you know. But you're not thinking, oh my God, it's like Myrna Lowe and William Powell, or you know. <laughs> so I mean, but I then, think, um, but also presumably they they have their own. Because part yeah part of this I mean as I was saying about her and the hats the yeah you know, the 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 character in the film is wearing all these hats because her trademark presumably her trademark in in her singing career was wearing all these hats so to an extent they're kind of playing to their um, um, their persona their, their their star personas and also there's, so there's possibly an extent given they're presumably pop stars that, that were appealing to very young audience um, that you want you don't want the audience to feel that they're too kind of sexually attracted to each other in the film because then you, you lose that audience um, connection, mm -hmm. maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, I sometimes worry about myself because, you know, kind of I, you look at them and you say, you know, am I responding to Kenny B just because I'm a gay man and, you know, and not paying enough attention to her? And I think no, because, you know, like, you know, I, <laughs> I am a gay man and nobody pays more attention to a female star than gay men. Right. If you think of like Audrey Hepburn or Marilyn or, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, any of them, really, you know. So but I do think that he has a real screen presence that she doesn't quite. Yeah, and what's interesting is because the, 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 the third film, which I'm not going to, I won't talk about, but I mean, I've already seen it, you haven't. Kenny, Kenny B stars in that, and it's much more of a, I would say much more of a straight acting performance than, than, he, than this one, and, he, and you know, he's great. Um, yeah. So, you know, clearly uh, for, for Ho Xiao Shan, he, he, he recognised that and carried on using him. Yes. Whereas I think she ended up as a television personality, a very famous television. They, I mean, they, they both had. I mean, I, I, she she died unfortunately in um, of, of lung cancer in I think twenty twenty twelve or something. Um, he he is still around and, and and still working. And they they both had. Well, certainly I looked at. They they're both on Spotify. <laughs> I, I did look. I was, I was trying to find the soundtrack for these films, but couldn't find it. Um, but but you know he he's. I, I mean, I found a an album of his with, with like cover versions of electric light orchestra and things like that, you know, so clearly very, yeah, a very successful, you know, if you, if you were from Hong Kong or from Taiwan, you would, you would know these people. So, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And no, of course, I mean, they were, you know, uh, clearly uh, huge stars, but I do think to me, it's interesting and maybe telling in some way that might be worth exploring. I mean, those people who, um, who continue with us with a screen career with a film career yeah who are film stars and then those people who might be just as famous you know but who work on television i mean i'm thinking here for example of somebody like oprah winfrey uh, right uh um you know though obviously there's a convergence you think of somebody like whoopi now but there are people who you who you think well they ended up on television for a reason yeah, it's a different type of personality of yeah. presence. Or, or there are yes. there are stars who, um, you know, briefly had a film career. I mean, Carly Minogue, I think, is a good example because it's around the same era. You know, she had a, an acting career for sort of during the late eighties, early nineties, and then just pretty much stopped that and just carried on singing. And it, it's sort of you know when you when you're at a certain level of stardom as a pop star, you can open a film that way. Um, and then you decide which way you want to go. Yeah, though I don't know. I mean, Kylie never had, I mean, in, in my view, she was never a film star. She could never open a film. You know, she had little interesting roles, you know, in, in films, and she was clearly interested in a film career. But, you know, she didn't have films built around her like Nicole Kidman did. But also that's not, because I recognize Kylie's iconicity. So I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking you know, of people who are nationally famous and beloved, right? Uh, I'm thinking of like Ellen, for example, you know, yeah? Uh, so somebody who, who has huge fame and celebrity, who's really beloved, you know, but who fits on television and who you, you can't quite imagine being a film star, yeah? And I think... Yeah, so some people are just more comfortable or more open or less mysterious. Whatever it is that it it takes to be a film star, Kenny uh, B had more of it than what's her name? Fong Fei Fei. Fong Fei Fei. Or Fong Fei Fei. I'm not sure. 
right. Well, we're doing our best to pronounce properly. Yeah. Uh, so do you know what I mean? There, there was an interesting... So I think they worked very well as a couple, though I'm not sure about this thing of chemistry. Yeah. You know, that people are bopping off each other and creating something greater than the yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about that. So, though that is hardly a criticism of a film that was so pleasurable. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's just purely enjoyable. I mean, it's, yeah. it's um, yeah. I love the colors. I love the comedy. I love the performances. And it's all very broad, very light, very inconsequential, uh, and, and very pleasing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right. Is there anything you want to add to this? I don't think so. I'd say it's going to be very interesting to see how this develops over the next few films um so as i say i've already seen the the the, the third one i think you'll i hope well, there's lots of kenny b in it so you you should enjoy it <laughs> but it, but it, but it's um as i say i really really enjoyed this film it's hugely enjoyable but then when you see the third film it's a major development on this one and it, it's but it, it it's but you can see you you can see how it has developed from this one so i think it's going to be a very interesting exercise watching these four films or however yes. many others we do. <laughs> so my understanding is that he'll develop from this bright, poppy, almost musical, it is a kind of musical, uh, light romantic comedy into, you know, one of the premier exponents of slow cinema, right? He's said to, to be, you know, one of its, uh, you know, original. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and um, and I think what I would say about the green green grass is that the, there are elements of both in that. So I think it's very yeah. a very interesting transition. So, right. but no spoilers. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you very much for listening, uh, and uh, we hope uh, you click in Sing a little hey, hey, hey. Sing a little hey, hey.